I'll be honest with you, I will do a lot of reading on this. Unless God says otherwise. Last week we started out, or actually a few weeks ago, we, we started out in a place of how we are to treat one another. Now we've led into the place that offense happens. We know that it's a trap of the devil. Remember the bear trap last week or the trap? I went to the hospital and seen somebody, and they told me about the trap. Remember that, sweetie? And I'm like, well, <laughs> it got out. I don't know if the word got out, but the idea of the trap got out. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm praying that it did. I'm praying that it did. And that was the idea of it. The Lord kind of laid that on my heart Saturday morning, so I'm scrambling. I couldn't get over to Carson's. I knew he had traps, so I'm calling Randy. And it worked out. We got it here. He didn't cut his fingers off. I didn't cut mine off. I left the crutch up here, by the way. In case you didn't notice, it's still there. I didn't get it down yet. So maybe that's another prop for later. I have no idea. Maybe I'll move it today after church. But we're talking about being offended. And being offended is nothing more than a trap of the devil. As believers, we don't have the right to be offended. We have the command to forgive, plain and simple. But he tells us in the Word there are many places. Now, you've got to understand, when Paul and these guys are writing to these churches, we call it exhortations, but they're, they're actually addressing a problem. And the Lord gave them the Word to put out to give to the people for the people to get it in their hearts, and now that's where spiritual growth happens. I'm going to tell you now. If you're here and you're an alcoholic today, God can set you free today and you're free and clear. If you're here today and you've got some other substance abuse that's going on, God can set you free. My goodness, you can get locked up in jail and not be able to get to that stuff and therefore it's not a problem in your life no more. However, when you get a fence setting up inside of you, that's the one that the devil wants because it makes us not look like we're supposed to look and not act like we're supposed to act as believers and followers of Christ. That's the one that he wants that's going to do the most damage. And we have to get that inside of our hearts. We have to let the truth come in. And offense is one of the biggest things that will keep that truth from getting into our hearts and growing fruit that will set us free. Once you get in the trap, the Lord showed us how to do it. Okay? And so we're going to be talking about this this morning. And we're going to start out. Charlie, I guess if you want to follow, you can. Some stuff I'm just going to probably reference. And if you get to it quick, that's good. If you can't, that's fine too. Get your notes, your pencils out and your paper. This is good stuff, I'm telling you now. If you say, don't raise your hand, but I'm going to ask the question. How many of you are sitting in offense right now? And I don't care who it is. I don't care when it happened. It could have been 25 years ago. And yet it affects the way you walk with Jesus now. This is for you. This whole entire series is for you. If you haven't been offended, guess what? You will have the opportunity, probably before I get done speaking today, to be offended. It may come from me. Okay? It's not my intention to make nobody mad. I like being buddies. I, you know, I wish I could come and mow everybody's yard. I wish I could do everything for you. I wish that you had the comfort to call me with any problem that you have, that we can sit down and reason out of the Word of God how to maneuver and get through these things. 
but that's like, you know, I used to get the Sears and Roebuck catalog when I was a kid, too, and I picked out about 500 things in there. My daddy made $3 an hour, and I didn't get much. But it didn't help it didn't keep me from wishing. And so I, this message today is for everybody sitting here, because if you ain't sitting in a fence, you're going to have the opportunity, probably before I'm done, maybe before the day's out, maybe by tomorrow, it's coming, and I'm going to show you in the Word. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 10, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Now these are the words in red in my Bible, that's what Jesus said. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he endures to the end, shall be saved. You got to endure to the end, and you shall be saved. What would be the opposite of that? If you don't endure to the end, I guess it's saying you won't be saved. I don't know about you, but that scares me to death. Wearing a badge, I had plenty of chances to offend people and to get offended. If I was wearing one today, I, maybe that's why God put me into preaching. Because if I was still wearing one and all the junk that's going on, I don't know if I could have took it. Because I don't like confrontation. I don't like having anger between people. I can't stand it. I believe that our Heavenly Father is the same way. Could somebody do me a favor and hit that button over there and cut that fan off? Because y'all might be having a funeral by sundown. I might have to come out of my coat. The disciples asked Jesus what would be the sign of his coming. You remember he told them, he said there was going to be wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and all these things would be happening. Just give it a minute, Rusty. It catches up. It's a little slow. It's kind of like my truck now. It's getting old. It's a Ford, but it still do about do that Dodge. I couldn't resist that. Are you offended, sir? I told you you'd have a chance to be offended before I got done talking. And I aimed it at him, and somebody over here is sitting and said, what's he doing talking about a Chevrolet? They're all mad now, he ain't going to hear another word I say. That's how cunning the devil is. That's the kind of traps that he lays. The disciples asked Jesus what would be the sign of his coming. Now, folks, we can't know the exact time, the exact day, the exact hour that we know, but we can know the season because that's exactly what he's given them. He's saying this is what it's going to look like just before I come. Now, we can look around us today. My goodness, we probably got in our own families. People used to worship with us that don't anymore. Why? Because a fence landed. Now, it's not good that that happened, but you see, our responsibility is to not pick the offense up. That's what the devil wants to happen. He wants you to be offended, and then he's got you. And the only way that we get out of it, I'm going to show you, the only way we get out of it, we've got to do it God's way. His word, his will, his way. I mentioned that to Charlie back when I started pastoring as something that would be a little catchphrase for us, and we didn't go with it. Well, it came back up again this week. Some guy in Texas picked it up. 
I know it was God. Because I told Sweetie, I said, look, 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 look. That's what I said. And it's what he had. We got to do his word. We got to do his will. We got to do his way. We got to do what the book says. Otherwise, we get ourselves in trouble. We don't have the eyes that can be able to see the traps. And let me tell you, the devil's laying them for you. If you're not saved today, he's putting them out there trying to keep you from getting to the place of knowing Jesus Christ. And if you know him today, he's trying to take you out of the game. He's trying to make you be one of these people that others will look at and say, well, they're no different than the world. See what I'm talking about? Oh, well, I ain't going to the movies. I'm dressing nice. I'm, 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 I'm in church. I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm pastoring a church. All those things can hit. And he's doing it so that the guy that's lost says, there's nothing there. And that's exactly what he wants. That's how cunning he is. If we all realize just how much the devil hates us and realize that how real he is, we would be banding together like nothing never seen before. And I'm not talking about just our local con. I'm talking about churches. The people down the road, we're having a revival at the end of the month. I pray that people will come to the revival. It is a revival with Jesus Christ at the center of it. Why in the world wouldn't you come? Answer that question for yourself. That's, I don't know. Why in the world? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about our sister church down the road 12 miles. Why in the world wouldn't you come to learn about Jesus, to be joined together and let a word come into your heart that's going to be good? Why in the world, if you're over in Lynchburg, won't you drive out here? I mean, you, you, come, you go right by us basically to go out here and toss a line in the water. Amen? Or do we need a hurricane to come in and wipe us out before we show up and say, God, do we need you? Do we need a hurricane or some kind of devastating thing to happen in our lives so that we will now be humbled enough to come to God and receive what he has for us? Because you see, he knows. The secrets of every man's heart set in here today, woman and child also, God already knows it. And we can't keep it from him. The devil knows a whole lot too, and he likes using that stuff against us. I've heard Brother Murphy say this, and it's true. God gets blamed for a lot of things he had absolutely nothing to do with. Amen. Notice one of the signs of his pending, of his pending return. Many will be offended. He didn't say not a few, not some. He said many. And folks, we're living in that day and age today. Now who are these that are offended? Are they Christians or are they just people in society in general? That's a good question, isn't it? Well, we're going to read what the Word says. I think it's in verse 12. It says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, folks, you got two different Greek words that's used mainly in the, in the Scriptures. One is agape, one is phileo. Does anybody remember what I've taught you before about that? Agape is God's love. Phileo love is friendship love. Now, Brother Randy is my friend. We solved the world's problems the other Monday sitting under an oak tree. And I'm to love him just like Jesus loves him. And he's to love me just like Jesus loves me. You understand that? But we have 
phileo love, which is a, it's a friendship love. By the way, it's a conditional love. I came up this morning when you gave an offering for us and said thank you. Do you realize if I'd not said thank you, some people would say he doesn't appreciate it, and therefore I'm not giving anymore. Or he doesn't do exactly how I think he should be doing, therefore I'm not going to give. Let me let you in on a little secret, brothers and sisters. That is phileo love. It has nothing to do with agape love because it's conditional. It's based on performance. See, we're not like that with Jesus, are we? Agape love is unconditional love. You don't have to do anything to get it from me. Amen? Now, if that was the case, if that wasn't God's love, then there'd be nobody saved in here because we would have to perform every day exactly right. But he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. You don't have to perform, you don't have to receive, you don't have to do anything. But phileo love says, you've got to act a certain way. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. You be kind to me and I'll do the same. That's the difference. Did you know that the word that he's using in that scripture there, where's it at, Charlie, is it still up there? Yeah, and because lawlessness will abound, it's going to abound, folks. That's the word. He's letting us know it's going to happen. The love of many will grow cold. If you've got the old King James's wax cold, it means you're going to grow cold, but that word love that he's using is agape. People who ain't saved, they, don't even, they can't do agape. The only way you get to do agape is with the Lord living in you. It's his love. So who's he talking about? He's talking about believers. So you know what? That means we can get into a place that we can be offended. Oh, excuse me, y'all, I'm so sorry. Well, y'all do it too. You just don't wear a microphone in front of people. I didn't have breakfast either. I have no idea with it. Get off my back, devil. So this is unconditional love. And we can only love with a selfish love if we don't have the Lord in our life. If he's not the ruler in our life. That's what the devil is trying to get us to the place. But Jesus, he shed this love from the cross. You remember that? He shed this love Exactly, from the, the, from the cross. And you know, folks, it's disheartening to be able to give love and give love and give love and give love and then you don't get it in return. It's disheartening, isn't it? Well, you know why it's disheartening? That's the devil trying to say, here's you an opportunity to be offended. And he wants you, remember I told you last week, the scandal on the little thing you hit to make the trap go off? He wants you to get in there so the trap can bite and get you. And that's what he does. He wants us to have that. He wants us to see that. He wants us to live by that. But Jesus, he was wronged whenever he went to the cross. But he never returned that phileo kind of love to people. He returned agape love. He understood a, a simple thing here. It's the principle of being able to give this love and understand what God's saying. You see... I can give agape love, and we've all done that. Many of us have done that, try to show people to Jesus, lead them to Jesus, show them that love, and they don't receive. And then we grow weary. We stop praying for them. We stop trying to get to them. We stop actually not even listening to the Lord when he says, okay, now tell them this, or now go take this to them. We come up with all the reasons why that they shouldn't receive these things, 
And yet God's telling us to. You see, he understood that if you will sow in love, you're going to reap. You're going to reap this harvest. That's what he was teaching us. You see, Jesus on the day that he was crucified, even though he's hanging there, all the blood's out of him, you can't recognize him. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was given that love. He did it for the guys that was putting the nails in his hands, the ones that spit on him, the ones that pulled the beard out, the ones that tried him, even the religious leaders that wanted to see him go down because he was messing up their way of life, and even his disciples. I mean, they all scattered, right? They took off. Peter even denied him. Judas, he was the one that betrayed him. These very ones that he loved and laid everything down for. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And those were the guys that got it because they never did run from, from Jesus anymore. As a matter of fact, they went to their horrible deaths proclaiming the gospel and telling them about Jesus. Not everybody got it. Jesus sowed that to everybody there that day. He's been sowing it ever since he was at Calvary. It's been sown, and it's been sown, and it's been sown, and yet he is still reaping a harvest. You're, many of you, most of you probably, are saved this morning, and you're turning this love back over to him, so he is reaping the harvest. Now, it may not be coming from where he thinks it should come or how we want it to come. That's where we enter in, and that's how we can become offended. You see what I'm talking about? Make sense? Okay, I'm just seeing if the wheels are turning. In Galatians 6 and 8 it says, For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. See, he forgave everybody. In Matthew 5 and 43 you have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. That's what we have to do to be sons of Father, our Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what have you done more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same thing? So he's telling us that we're different. But the reason we fall into these things is by our expectations that we have for people. Right? Don't we have expectations of how we perform? We all do it. And it's okay, I guess. Just as long as you don't get offended by it. Because once that offense bites, the devil's got you. And we're going to find out that when he gets you in that, it's hard to see God's word, see God for who he is. You see, if we realize that if we sow in love, and even though the harvest doesn't come from where we expect it to, we will reap a harvest according to the word of God. And if more Christians would recognize this, they wouldn't give up and become offended. Usually this is not the type of love that we walk in. We walk in a selfish love, a love that is easily disappointed when our expectations aren't met. If I have expectations about certain persons, those people can let me down. They will disappoint me to the degree that, I, that they fall short of my expectations. But if I have no expectations of someone, anything that is given to me now is a blessing. And I don't have the place or the opportunity to be offended because I don't feel like nothing's owed to me. And we set ourselves up for offense 
when we require certain behaviors from those with whom we have relationships with. The more we expect, the greater the potential for offense. You see that? We have this and we set ourselves up when we go to this place that we have expectations that we put on people. Once we get offended, though, we start building up walls to protect ourselves. Proverbs 18 and 19 says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. You see, they would build these cities up to keep the enemy out. They would build these walls up around the city, and they would have a gate that have a gatekeeper. And if you came to that city and you owed them some money, or you didn't fit the right criteria to be able to enter the walls of that city, they didn't let you come in. Why? They were protecting themselves. But what happens is, is whenever you build up these walls to protect yourself, our hearts are getting in a bad place. You see, offended people build those walls because they don't want to get hurt no more. We construct walls when we, when we are hurt to safeguard our hearts and prevent any future wounds. We become selective, denying entry to all who, fear, uh, who we fear will hurt us. We filter out anyone who we think owes us something. We withhold access until these people have paid their debts in full. We open our lives only to those we believe are on our side. Yet often the people that we go to, they're offended people too. And in essence what we're doing is, is we're joining a new club that's hurt just like me and they become extra stones on that wall which in, in time will become our prison. Because then we don't want to go outside of the walls either and we stay inside the prison. That's not what God told us to do, did he? He didn't tell us to go there. The focus of offended Christians is inward and introspective. We guard our rights and personal relationships carefully. Our energy is consumed with making sure no future injuries will occur. And if we don't risk being hurt, we cannot give unconditional love. Jesus did that. He gave unconditional love to everyone. To the guy who is out here selling dope on the streets right now, to the prostitute that's making money, maybe she needs to, maybe she just likes being well off. I don't know. But you know what? He's extended this love to them, and even though they don't receive it, he doesn't get hurt over it. He's not offended over it. He gave something, and he says, okay, if you want it, you can take it. I've got this for you. Unconditional love gives others the right to hurt us. You need to know that. If we get like Jesus and have agape love, unconditional love, it gives everybody, look around you, look to your left, your right, your husband, your wife, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, your friend, maybe the guy on the other side of the church, you don't even know his name, look around them. If you give that person unconditional love, you have given them the right to offend you. And can I tell you what? At some point, they will. You'll have the opportunity to be offended. You know that, right? And that's what unconditional love is. That's one of the rules of, of following the Lord. This is how we, we do this. See, love does not seek its own, but hurt people become more and more self-seeking and self-contained. And it's in this place that their love, their agape love, starts to grow cold. Exactly what the devil set out to do. So don't allow it to happen. You see, the Sea of Galilee is fresh water. You remember Jesus, he was on that in the storms, and he walked on water, and Peter walked on water, and it's full of life. 
it rains, they got plants growing and all kinds of different kinds of fish because we know one place he got a, what, 50, how many different fishes was it? This just jumped into my head. I don't remember, but it was a lot of different kinds of fishes. And I've heard people say, well, this is the different languages. You know how they'll try to put stuff together. But anyway, different kinds of life. Well, the Sea of Galilee is here, and the Jordan River flows down to the Dead Sea. So you have something that is receiving life. It's receiving rain. It's receiving water. It's receiving something good. It's full of life. It's reproducing. It's reproducing. It's doing more. It flows down through the Jordan River, which is also... It's a river, you know, it's growing fish, it's growing all these things. It gets to the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea doesn't give up anything. It's dead, there's nothing alive in it. That's the same spiritual picture for us. If we get to the place that we have a fence setting in our heart, even though we're taking in Scripture, even though we're taking in life, life-giving word, this morning, life-giving word, if we're in a place of offense, now we can't give off life because we're down at the Dead Sea. You understand? And so that's what the devil wants to happen. And you say, well, I'm a Christian. Okay, that's good. But if you're offended and you're at the Dead Sea and you're sitting with unforgiveness in your heart, what in the world are we telling the world? We're telling them it's okay. And when we bring these people in to join them with us in our same little pity party, they come in and join with us, and you guess what? Now we have a little clan over here. A little clan that doesn't represent Jesus Christ at all. See what I'm saying? I remember Sister Kay preaching a message one time about petting that old dead cat. Something along those lines. You remember that? Down at Alta Vista a couple years ago. Christians, we don't help our friends, our loved ones, our brothers and sisters. They are in relationship with us. Now, Bobby, I just met you about six months ago or so. You're a saved man, right? Well, so am I. Guess what? We're brothers. Imagine that. Imagine that. We're now brothers. Now we have relationship. Now if I put expectations on him that he doesn't meet, now I can get offended. And vice versa, if he does it with me. I didn't ask you. Can I pick on you sometimes occasionally? Thank you. <laughs> But we find this op opportunity to get to this place. But see, whenever we get to this place that we take in life but we do not give it, it's simply because that we have fear. And with that fear, we can't release life. The Bible calls these strongholds. First Cor or 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but my God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You see, these strongholds produce patterns in us. And that is the reason of how we let information come in. All the information we receive, if we're hurt or if we've been offended, everything now has to come through that filter. And that's a dirty filter, by the way. It will distort the Word of God. It will distort what you very well may need to be set free is because that we've gotten to this place. The walls that we build for protection now become a, a source of distortion because they war against the knowledge of God. I just read it in the scripture there. When we feel everything through our past hurts, rejections, experiences, we find it impossible to believe God. I talked to a guy not long ago and that's exactly what he said. I can't believe I fell for this love thing. Why? He got hurt. 
He got offended. And now the devil's got him where he wants. And when you try to give him the word, when you try to give him what he needs, it doesn't make sense to him. He's blinded by it. It doesn't have revelation to it. But folks, let me tell you, you can trust God. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not man that he should lie. He ain't going to lie to you. So if it's in the word, it's the truth. It's what we need. Isaiah 58, uh, 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Many times people can find Scripture and passages in Scripture that back their position. But folks, it's not correct division of God's Word. Why? Because they've been offended and they've run everything through this offended filter and now it needs to fit what I need it to fit. See, the knowledge of God's Word without love pops up. We have a, it brings pride and legalism. We have that in 1 Corinthians 8, 8, 8 uh, 1 through 3. And this causes us to justify ourselves and to repent of unforgiveness. You see, that's a sin. And if we don't repent, what happens? See, if we will confess our sins, He is just and faithful to forgive them. Who are we confessing them to, by the way? You ever thought of that? I mean, you can come tell me all day long, and I can't give you absolution. That's just not how it works. You can tell me all day long and ball till you, till you can't ball no more. You're out of water. Nothing will come out of you. doesn't mean anything. Who are you confessing it to? I mean, God already knows. Think about this. God already knows. Who are you really confessing it to? The guy in the mirror. You. The mirror. You see, it doesn't matter. God already knows. He's trying to show us something about us that we can be fixed. And until we get to the place that we can look in the mirror and confess and say, look, look, Ken, you got it. This is wrong. Until I do that, Scripture doesn't mean anything. Brother Murphy can lay hands on me, dance circles around me. He can pour a whole gallon all over my head. But until I get it in my heart and confess to myself, that's the confession part of it. I'm confessing it to God, but yet in essence I'm revealing it to myself. If I don't see it, it doesn't mean anything. You understand what I'm talking about this morning? Okay? And so we, we can do that all day long of, of casting these things around and, and moving them on. But this is the place that we get set up to be deceived. Jesus warns the false prophets immediately at his after his statement of being offended. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, Matthew 24 and 11. Who are the many that will be deceived? In Matthew 24 and 12, the many are the offended ones whose love has grown cold. That's how we can be deceived, and he sends false prophets. Matthew 7 and 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. See, Jesus calls them ravenous wolves. Why? Because they're not his. They're self-seeking. they got their own thing that they got going on. They look like a Christian. That's when they're in sheep's clothing. They look like this, but their whole nature is they're a wolf. They're looking to destroy. They're looking to do these things. Wolves, they like to hang around sheep, and they particularly like to hang around young ones and crippled ones. If you've been offended, you, cannot bet, you, you can bet there's going to be a wolf in sheep's clothing show up. I'm going to make a statement now that's going to, it's going to drive you nuts probably. These false prophets can be found in the congregation and they can be found in the pulpit. 
we have to identify them by their fruits, not by their teachings. We don't identify them to judge them. We decide whether or not we want to let anything coming in that they're given come in. Because they've got to hold it. And let me kind of tell you something, the devil will fool you. Don't ever think you're so strong that he can't fool you. That's why he wants to offend you, to distort what you see. These wolves will tell people what they want to hear and not what they need to hear. These people don't want sound doctrine. They want someone to tickle their ears. 2 Timothy 3 and 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. We have to know what the Word says. We have to be vigilant and know about these these. False prophets. Second Timothy 4 and 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Notice that they have a form of godliness, a form of Christianity, but they deny its power. Well, you say, well, how in the world do they deny its power? They deny that Christianity can change them from being unforgiving to forgiving. You see, I can't sit here as a pastor and as a Christian, and neither can you, by the way, and help somebody in a place that they have unforgiveness in their heart. We can't do that. Otherwise, we become a false teacher because the Bible doesn't teach that. It doesn't teach it at all. They will boast of being followers of Jesus, but have never allowed his truth to pierce their hearts and bring forth his character in their lives. you got to look in the mirror. we got to do the book. We have to use the book to look in the mirror. In 2 Timothy 3 and 7 says, Always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, Paul could see prophetically that these deceived men and women would have zeal for knowledge but remain unchanged since they never applied it to their lives. Well, I know this, and I know this, and I can tell you the page that's on in my Bible. I can quote it. I can quote it in four different versions. I know some of the Greek. I know some of the Hebrew. Whoop-de-doo. As long as it, if it don't get in here, it doesn't mean anything. You know what I'm talking about? I went to school, and there were some things they taught me. I could knew what page it was. I knew what it said. You see what I'm saying? We can memorize stuff is what I'm getting at. That's the point I'm trying to make here. If Paul was alive today, he would grieve to see that what he foretold is in operation. He would see multitudes of men and women attending camp meetings and seminars and church services, gaining a great amount of knowledge of the Scriptures. He would watch them hunt for new revelation. He'd see ministers take another minister to court for righteous reasons. He would see charismatics running from church to church to escape offense. All the while, all of them professing the lordship of Jesus, but yet they cannot forgive. They cannot 
forgive. I'm a Christian, but I can't forgive. I'm going to ask you a question that the young people is going to understand. I'm going to do the mannerism too. Really? That's what it is. Really? What Bible are you reading? That's what they say. Really? <laughs> See, it doesn't matter how up to date you are in the newest revelations from the many seminars and Bible schools and all these things that we attend, the many books that we read, how many hours you pray, how many hours you study your Bible. None of that matters. If you, are un if you are offended and in unforgiveness and refuse to repent of this sin, you have not come to the knowledge of the truth, which is what the Bible talks about. We have to rightly divide the word. You're deceived and you confuse others with hypocritical lifestyles. Christians don't act like that. We can't say we belong to Jesus, but we don't like this guy because of his color. We don't like this guy because of this or that. We can't do that. I got one amen from the former pastor, and that makes me feel good, because if he's getting it, I know he's had it before. That's exactly what the Bible teaches us. You see, we need to start looking at our own fruit instead of looking at other people's fruit. Amen? I don't get to judge anybody, neither do you, by the way. That's for God to do. God may work a miracle in them, and man, they make a 180 degree change two days before they die, and they've been a Christian for 85 years. Not my place, not your place. That's God's place. That's what He does. But I want you to see something here. Matthew 24 and 10. I'm almost done. Y'all just hang with me just for another minute. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Do you see the progression that happens there? Offense leads to betrayal, and betrayal leads to hatred. Offended people build walls for protection. Our focus becomes self-preservation. We must be protected and safe at all costs. This makes us capable of betrayal. And when we betray, we seek our own protection or benefit at the expense of someone else. Look at what the Bible clearly says in 1 John 3 and 15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We can't hate people. Well, I don't really hate them. Let me tell you something. If you can't sit down at a table with them and have prayer with them, you're very, very, very close to crossing that line. I'm, you know, I don't want to walk that close. I'm not the judge. That's something to think about there. Have we forgotten the words of Jesus in Matthew 5 and 44? But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Have we forgotten the command of God in, in Philippians 2 and 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, and let, and let each esteem others better than himself. Now in America, we don't have that. We ain't even taught that. Our whole culture teaches us that there's a rank system. Regardless of what you do for a living, regardless of the income you have, regardless of the size of your house, the color of your car, kind of suit you got on. This is a $99 one, I think, with a sweetie from Sears. And I'll tell you what, if you did give me that $5,000 offering this morning and I wouldn't send it to, the, to uh, Houston, I wouldn't be going to buy no $5,000 suit. 
This one works just fine. It's even got a little hole right here by the pocket. I've got to get sewed up yet. Y'all didn't know that I just told you. But it's working fine. The message is still going out. Amen? It's working just fine. Why do we not live by these laws of love? We are so quick to, why are we so quick to betray than to lay down our lives for, an, for one another, even at the risk of being cheated? The reason is, is our love has grown cold, which rewards in us still seeking to protect ourselves. That's the result of it. And we can no longer con confidently commit our care to God. We don't think He can do it. We don't think the Word is true. That's why we don't walk there. That's why we don't go there. When Jesus was wrong, He was not wrong. He didn't do another wrong in return. He didn't come down off of the cross. He didn't call down angels to destroy the guy that was hammering a nail into His hand. He didn't do that. He didn't do it about the, the high priest. Oh, come on, man. The high priest, the guy that is the leader of what they known as the church at that time, he was the guy that was leading the, leading the push to have him crucified. But yet Jesus didn't come back and take a wrong for a wrong. He didn't do that. That's not his way. And if we are followers of him, that means we're following him. That means his way is our way. If we ain't doing his way, then we ain't following him. Does that make sense? You see, offense is so powerful. Shouldn't we just follow in his footsteps? Look what he showed us. 1 Peter 2 and 21, For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I shall repay. That means if you have the opportunity to be offended, give it to God. And you still love them. You still try to be their buddy. You still try to get them to grow because they've done something that's not right. And they do need correction. Amen? That's what we do as believers, to help. Every time, before you, and some of you got it today, some of you got offended when I said something throughout this message, I know. What are you going to do with it? You going to pick it up and be offended and get caught in that deadly trap? I'm going to tell you now, if you pick it up and you get offended, it will affect how you walk. The Word of God can't get inside your heart and you will refuse to see the truth because you're blinded. We must come to the place where we trust God and not our flesh. He said He would repay. So what's the problem? What's the problem? He said He would repay. Do you see now how serious the sin, and I'm calling it a sin, of offense is? As this message goes a little bit deeper, we find out that whenever people are hopping from church to church because they've been offended, their roots get warm, and every storm, before you know it, Satan's got them cut off. They're living however they want to. Oh, by the way, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to do what the kids say. Really? Brothers and sisters, we've got to trust Jesus for what he said. Either the word's true or it's not. 
and we can all walk out of here today. I don't, you might be carrying a defense that's 50 years old. I don't know. But you're out of the will of God if you are. If it's not dealt with, sin will eventually lead to death. So let us resist this temptation to be offended. And let us let God do what he does and give us victory. Amen? Otherwise, we come in, we sing, we're judgmental on everything that goes on. We try to back it with Scripture, and as I just showed you, you'll be able to prove it by Scripture, but not the whole Word of God, not the whole counsel of God, and not the right dividing of the Word. Because if love's not in the dividing of the Word, well, I got this knowledge, I got this knowledge, I can quote this, I can quote that, it puffs us up. And it brings about judgment and legalism. Let's not be that kind of people. If I'm going to be your pastor, I'm going to tell you about it. From the pulpit, maybe one-on-one -on -one if you will allow me. If you don't allow me, there's nothing I can do for you, right? It's not like I'm going to come into your house and steal a sandwich. But if you invite me over to eat, I'm going to come and eat. And I'll smack my lips doing it and I'll enjoy it. Why? Because I'm with my brothers and sisters. Do you understand what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters, this morning? Offense will trap you. And it'll eventually kill you. Stand to your feet this morning.